On the last day of August, death could be observed everywhere in Nazreen's back garden. She had stepped out onto the patio shortly after dropping Elias at his tennis lesson to find the colour wiped from her once beautiful refuge. They had only been away for four days, a last-minute trip to Istanbul, insisted upon by Richard, and she had even flouted the hosepipe ban on the morning of their departure, incurring the frowning disapproval of her neighbour, Mrs Humphreys. But the watering had been futile, Nazreen thought now, surveying the parched grass. The torrid heat had decimated her father's beloved rose bushes and her mother's rhododendrons. Only the marigolds emerged unscathed, and Nazreen was moved by the plant's stubborn adaptability. They had been painstakingly transported from Silette to her small garden in Barnsbury. And even after such turbulent displacement and this recent heatwave, the diasporic gender continued to flourish. Glancing up to the darkened windows of Mrs Humphrey's house, Nazreen sifted a fistful of dry, dusty soil through her fingers. Family law had it that she had loved stuffing mud into her mouth as a toddler. Mineral deficiency, her father used to say, but it was more than that. Once, after a nasty fall in Nirashapur, instead of crying for help, Nazreen had lain there, surprised at how soothing the warmth of the sun-baked ground beneath her could be. As the sweet particles of dust tickled her nose and the bustle of Shabibaras took place behind her, she felt the urge to burrow deeper, to press herself further into the earth's embrace. There had been no tears when her mother finally found her, bleeding from a deep cut to her ankle, the thirsty soil drinking her up. Nazreen stood up and reached decisively for the hosepipe. The gushing water brought movement back to the leaves and stems, in the plum tree, a thrush twittered happily and Nazreen, elated by the sudden poetry of it, directed the hosepipe up towards the branches. Just as quickly, she brought it down, ashamed of her wastefulness. The peal of the doorbell cut through the air. Frowning, Nazreen switched off the tap and dropped the hosepipe. The doorbell rang again. Coming, coming, she called, running through the hallway. Mrs Humphrey stood primly on Nazreen's doorstep, smiling at her from beneath a straw hat. Hello, Nazreen blinked. Surely she hadn't been caught with a hosepipe again. Naz, the smile on her neighbour's face faded, and Mrs Humphrey's eyes darted from Nazreen's face to her gardening gloves. I'm sorry to interrupt your gardening. I was just pruning the rose bushes. I don't usually, but my dad... Oh, but those roses. La Tosca are very difficult to keep so late into the summer. Your father has good taste, though. Her smile returned. How is he? Richard mentioned he's home now. Yes, but not well enough to come visit and prune my roses, Nazreen said. That can wait, I think. Mrs Humphreys turned and nodded at her husband, who waited out on the street. I just wanted to check, Naz, whether you cooked something today. I mean, something different? Sorry? Well, Mrs Humphreys said, laughing self-consciously, I don't usually mind the cooking smells. I mean, what can you do? But today, it's just those lovely spices you use. They do have a rather strong smell that lingers. Perhaps you forgot to use the extractor fan? Nazreen frowned. I always use the extractor fan, she said tightly. Mrs Humphreys nodded. It comes into the house, you see, and nothing will eradicate it. 
The fan just blows the odour outside anyway, Nazreen said, feeling heat rise through her. It won't help remove odours lingering in your kitchen. Mrs Humphreys ignored the curtness in Nazreen's voice and nodded again, this time more eagerly. Oh, heavens yes, of course. You're right, Naz. Of course you are. You know what might be an idea? She leaned towards Nazreen as though the thought had only just occurred to her. Perhaps when you're cooking, you know, the more special dishes, you could call me before you're about to start and I can close all my windows beforehand. Nazreen stared at her. Call you before I cook? Not always, Mrs Humphrey said with a voice thick with reproach that blamed Nazreen for being unreasonable. It's so much more complicated in the summer when the windows are always open. I was just telling William, I can't remember the last time it was this hot, even in August. It's all this global warming. Well, (laughs) Mrs Humphrey smiled, patted Nazreen's gloved hand and stepped up the threshold. Say hello to Richard, Naz. He must be so busy at work. We barely see him. Bye, Naz. Nazreen watched the woman walk away, clicking the gate firmly shut behind her. And it's Nazreen to you, she muttered. The Humphreyses, long-time residents of the square, had taken an instant liking to Richard when the Wilsons had bought number 34 over five years ago. My cousin's married to a Kiwi, Susanna Humphreys had told them upon hearing Richard's accent, and though Nazreen rolled her eyes, Richard had barely batted an eyelid, lapping up the old woman's attentions and ignoring the mistake. On weekends, as Nazreen tended her little garden, Susanna and Richard discussed the Sunday Times and exchanged neighbourhood gossip over the fence, and though the two were now on first-name terms, Nazreen continued to address her neighbours as Mr and Mrs Humphreys and found it condescending and over-familiar that her neighbour addressed her as Naz. She closed the door and sniffed the air. She supposed the dal she had cooked that morning did smell stronger than the grilled meats or fish dishes which made up most of their weekly suppers, and she had added a pinch of hing, even though she hated the dung stink, but she had used a chef's candle that promised to obliterate cooking odours, and had even lit an expensive tuberose-scented pear as well. What a bitch, she said, standing in the empty hallway. Then she roused herself and walked into the living room, where she lit another scented candle and placed it carefully on the sill of the window facing the Humphreys' house. She opened all the windows again, closed the container of dal she had left to cool on the table, and shoved it to the back of the fridge. She picked up her phone and rang Richard. What's up? Is that any way to greet your wife? she asked. Sorry, tell me. The dreaded Mrs. Humphreys. Susanna, Mrs. Humphreys. Nazreen tried to regulate the hysteria lurking behind her words. What about her, Naz? Nazreen was winded by his impatience. Nothing, she said. Just forget it. She heard him sigh. Honey, sorry, I'm at work. What happened? Nothing, she repeated. Nothing, nothing. Nothing. Naz, come on, don't be like that, I'm sorry. Just ignore her, it's just that generation. You know how they can be? I've made dal for tonight, she said, feeling sulky. I just fancied something spicy. Mmm, good, sounds good. I think it's the hing that's offended her. She'll get over it. Will she, though? Apparently I now have to call her before I cook. I mean, isn't that a bit offensive? 
I bet she hasn't asked her other neighbours to call her before they fry bacon or cook onion soup or make pickles or whatever. I mean, don't you think that's a tiny bit racist, Rich? Richard left out a guffaw, and Nazreen bristled. Racist? Susanna? Naz, no. Just look at the size of it. She probably eats nothing but salad, so she just doesn't like the smell of cooked food. Nazreen bit her lip. Richard continued after a short pause. Naz, so, what's your day like? The garden's basically dead, and I still need to clean up inside. Cleaner's here tomorrow, isn't she? Yeah, but she can't clean around piles of clothes on the floor and stacks of papers everywhere. Still need to unpack the suitcases. Cleaning for the cleaner. Then I have to pick up Ellie. Hey, the break was good, huh? We need to get away more. It was good, she agreed. Rich? Hmm? I was thinking for our next trip. I want to take you and Ellie to Silette. I want you to see Desh. There was a brief silence before Richard tentatively said, I mean, is it safe, honey? Ellie's still so young. Now it was Nazreen's turn to lapse into silence. Maybe, Richard offered, we should do Sri Lanka instead. I mean, just until he's a bit older. It's supposed to be pretty safe out there. Nazreen rolled her eyes. You know what you need to do today? Richard asked, abruptly changing the subject. I mean, as a priority. The stuff we talked about? Nazreen bit her lip. Yep. Naz, seriously, you need to do this for yourself. I don't mind you being at home, but like I said, I think it'll drive you nuts once Ellie's at school. I know. Why don't you draft a CV at least and we can look over it tonight? Nazreen smiled, despite herself. Love you. Love you. Just try to make a start, okay? I was thinking maybe some volunteering somewhere to start. Sure, I mean, don't sell yourself short. How many women have a first in bloody engineering, huh? But sure, anything to get you out of the house. By the time she turned into the park and the tennis courts came into view, Richard's words were still ringing in her ears. Anything to get you out of the house. As though she drifted about from room to room like a dissatisfied spirit. How had she stumbled into this life? A replica of her own mother's wife, mum, housekeeper, cook, tailor, gardener and general fixer of moods. Feminine wills sacrificed at the altar of domestic harmony. She'd always panicked at the thought of becoming her mother. Choosing to fly had been to avoid the stagnation of her mother's life lived in one place, and once she had chosen it, she had let nothing deter her, not pressure from her parents or her community or the shadows of a childhood of ill health. Obtaining an engineering degree had been to appease her father, who demanded she had a good degree to fall back on just in case. When she had finally been awarded her commercial pilot licence, Nazreen remembered her sense of relief that she had finally carved out for herself, a life of frequent respite from all the relationships and worries that fettered her existence on earth. Just as the feel of the ground beneath her cheek had made her feel safe as a child, flying made her feel alive. And yet, by the time her son was four, Nazreen's short career as a first officer was a distant memory, there was an edge of loneliness to her days that resembled her memories of her mother's isolation as an immigrant mother in the Bracken Beacons. 
The arrival of Elias had brought with it the onslaught of disrupted sleep and the unending chores that characterise a young mother's life. Without complaint, she had woken at dawn for the tasks of feeding her colicky son, changing foul-smelling nappies and spending hours putting him down for naps. And most days she found contentment in his health and his well-being. But there were days, increasingly so now, when she yearned for the life that she had left far behind. She didn't just miss the flying. She missed the feel of the tarmac beneath the plane just before it took off, and even the faintly misogynistic camaraderie of the flight crew. She missed the freedom to drink three margaritas before dinner, to put on her trainers and run down to the park on a whim. She was tired of the inane connections made with other mothers from her old NCT antenatal class and Eliaz's nursery, and disappointed by the fragility of her older friendships that had not survived the disruption of motherhood. So, on one level, the prospect of Eliaz starting school was a welcome sighting of land. Yet Rich's encouragement that she should find her way back out into the world of work felt more like a criticism of the years she had spent tending to their home than a supportive push towards freedom. More importantly, he was blind to her fears of all that had changed, not simply that she found her younger self almost unrecognisable. The world itself was not the one she had left almost seven years ago, whereas during her study and training, she had been able to focus single-mindedly on achieving her ambition to fly. Now there was something manic in the itinerary of the modern woman, enlisted to be in so many places at once, in the boardroom, the school fundraiser, the yoga studios, holding placards out on the street to protest for feminist causes. And yet through all of this, they were still expected to make themselves available for on-demand breastfeeding, because breast is best, and general round-the-clock care of their homes and families. And Richard made it sound... made it sound so offensively simple... Mummy, she had reached the courts. There was Eliaz, red and flustered. She told Richard he was too young for tennis lessons. What did a four-year-old know about hitting a ball with a racket? Now, as she watched him miss every throw, she felt her son's exasperation flutter in her own chest. It's all right, Ellie, she called, rattling the gate. Just give it your best. His racket made a satisfying thwack as it finally met with the ball and Elias threw the implement into the air and flashed his mother a grin. Okay, Nazreen laughed. No need to break it. She lifted the beaker of juice she had brought for Elias and drank from it, watching her son, still grinning, skip across the court to retrieve his racket. 